2023 just refuses to stop with gigantic gaming hits. In this episode, we share our review of Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon and whether this punishingly difficult mech game is worth your sanity. Later, Arif gives us the latest on Magic the Gathering and his experience at the recent pre-release day of Wilds of Eldraine. Lastly, we have some exciting news to share. We're taking 20M on the road and international. Stay tuned on where you'll be seeing us in the next few months. This is the 20M Podcast. Welcome to the 20M Podcast, the show about video games and the people behind them. I am your host, Reno. I'm here today with Arif. Hello. I, I normally go say hi, Arif, but you don't like that, so I've stopped, but now you're not picking I've up I've recognized it. Honestly, Reno, I really appreciate it. I recognize it. I feel like we're evolving as uh, as the podcast you know, grows and also as hosts. So thank you for not asking me. Because I'll just, tell, I'll just tell everybody here on the podcast, right? It's like every single time you ask me, it's like, say hi, RF, or hi, RF. I'm like, I just feel like I'm a dog in a cage that's like, do a trick on the podcast, please. You know, So that's where I get the frustration from. Just needed to air it out. Well, I mean, if that was a trick, like I think we need, I think we need to teach you a couple more. Right? <laughs> okay, that's a little bit offensive. <laughs> um, How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. Um, I maybe just to give an update for everybody, like we've been playing so many games and we're thick in this like season that I feel like is almost akin to uh, what is it June, where the summer you know summer game fest summer like period was all over the place. But I've been playing so many games and I can't wait to talk about it. But uh, I just I'm on a high because. Earlier this week, I got the New Jeans McDonald's collaboration and I got the little bag. <laughs> so I'm just happy. I'm did. just like, I'm playing games. Um, I, I ate the New Jeans McDonald's collab and I, I've just been on a, on such a nice, happy like week. <laughs> but also I, with a lack of sleep and just like absolutely losing my mind. So, Can I ask, did you did you keep the bag for like personal reasons that because you like New Jeans or because of resale value at some point? No, <laughs> like, I, I don't like, want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I just think it's like it's just a cool thing. It's like, I do love New Jeans. So like the jo- jokes aside, like I do love their music, and I think they're it's an awesome project and it's like true artistry. Um, but I just think it's super cool to have something like this in the off chance I ever meet New Jeans. Be like, um, I've been there. F- I've been there since the OG. Been, you know what I mean? Been there. Since Not that this is McDonald's OG. This is like hyper mainstream now. But like whatever. <laughs> what was the meal? Like what was? The it was meal? a chicken sandwich. A chicken sandwich wrap uh, with a hash brown in it, which is really cool because you never get to have a hash brown in after the morning period at McDonald's. So it's like a revolution piece and you got like uh, a fanta i can't remember what flavored fanta but then you also get seaweed mixed shaker fries man which is like the perfect thing here in malaysia just going a little rant about like the best mcdonald's meal ever are the best mcdonald's creation ever is mcshaker fries where you put a fry like a giant pack of fries in a bag little like powdered packets of flavor and then you shake and then you eat it it's perfect I, I do like the shaker fries. Um, I do, but 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 the best the best McDonald's dish on the menu in Malaysia is Bor Ayam McDi. Oh my god, that's a hot it's take, so man! What? Good. I thought you were gonna say the Ayam Goreng. You know I mean? Oh, like the spicy Ayam Goreng? No, it's the, yeah. it's the Bor Ayam McDi every oh time. Oh my god! At the, aer- at the airport, it's so comforting. Who it, who agree? Like, where's the where's the twenty m YouTube? Like, I wish we were doing these live. You know what I mean? It's like, we're, drop a comment below. What's the best Ma- Malaysian McDonald's um, uh, spe- like meal? Right, unique to Malaysia. Because there's no way anybody would agree with you. you know? Yes, either that or the prosperity burger. I think that's the prosperity a, that's burger a is. Burger. See, that's a better take. Yeah, a curly curly fries. Curly okay. fries. <laughs> so food aside, um, just kind of like diving back into games. What have you been playing? Like, what's been on your radar this past couple of weeks? 
Yeah, maybe we can start with the first game that I've been like chugging my way through and like really making progress on, which is Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon. Uh, we've been playing it. Or we, I say we, it's just me. <laughs> we've been playing it on the podcast <laughs> as a podcast, but it's just like uh, one of us. Um, yeah, the, the lovely folks at Bandai Namco sent over an awesome package. I think we alluded to that. Uh, last time on the podcast, but I think I, I think I have it here where they gave us the uh, controller case. That's like Very exclusives cool. uh, limited edition thing for Southeast Asia purchases. But they were also kind enough to send us a code to stream. So I streamed it on my personal channel. And then also we wanted to make sure we get the review. But I'll just say right off the bat that like this game is long and hard, like just challenging to the point where it's just like I lost my mind. Uh, so we are late on this review from what I intended it to be. Uh, but I wanted to do a, I wanted to ch- talk about it nonetheless, because we find we I finally finished the game. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon. Yeah, so I don't know much about it, um, and I just have to say, like, I'm like after seeing everyone's takes on it, I'm like, I'm really glad that you've you've sacrificed your sanity and your sleep to this, and not me, because it looks really, really tough. The only two takes I've seen on on Twitter so far is one, it's so difficult, it, it's not even challenging, it just makes me sad, like that, that side <laughs> of things, and the other side is. Oh my god! I've built my that like my dream mecca, you know, like oh I feel like Shinji or like oh my Gundam childhood is coming back. So you've got like two different camps of people being <laughs> excited and depressed at the same time. Yeah, but um, maybe like just uh, a really like basic, simple example. Like what what is the game about? What is the premise for for folks who don't know what Amakor is? Yeah, this is a, and this is a funny one for me because I'm actually I'll, I'll start with the caveat that this is my first ever Armored Core game, right? And I think for most people this would be a really solid entry point because it's been a very long time since the previous entry of Armored Core. It's one of those franchises that were pretty rampant in like you know the early 2000s, I would say, but then kind of died off uh, as uh, From Software, who are the main developers of this game, um, changed their format to move into Dark Souls uh, and the Souls-like type. Um, video games and then now they brought Armored Core back uh, but I would say Armored Core is basically like in a nutshell from what I understand it it's a mecha it's it's just like a, a mecha simulator where you play as these things called Armored Cores which are robots that I believe are augmented humans inside these robots where you can upgrade your Armored Core your AC uh, and go through missions that are thrusted upon you within every game to my understanding each game is uh, different so you don't have to play one two three in subsequent so you know what I mean they're all kind of like standalone versions but they're all part of the same world and lore uh so but armored core six fires of rubicon is a story that is how do i start this basically like you play it as an uh a mercenary uh, or like a, a gun for hire if you will and you are an ac you are an armored core and you basically get quests from a multiple multitude of different factions that are uh basically looking to this planet called rubicon three that was it was recently discovered that there was a um, resource that's on this planet that is essential for, I guess, like energy production in a nutshell, right? Uh, so this material called coral was discovered on this planet, and now a bunch of uh, corporations are trying to excavate the planet for their own needs, and that is basically like the general premise of the game. And you play as a mercenary that either follows like you know the wills of um, one group or another to uh, further the story. The reason why I'm being a little bit coy here with like the premise is that I think Armored Core is one of those ones where the story is just like other Souls games. It's kind of like in the background. It's not so, so, so much in your face. It is more in your face than other Souls, uh, other FromSoft games that I've played. But it's one of those ones where I like, I, I don't want to talk about it because it's such a cool experience to go through the game and think it's like, oh, I'm just a, I'm just a robot and I'm destroying things to like, 
oh, this thing happens. It was like, oh, this realization, like, oh, this is what this character's actual motivations are. Or, oh, this is what this corporation believes in versus this corporation believes in. This is what that mercenary, like, is fighting for versus this, you know, freedom fighter. So uh, I don't want to talk too much about the story of Armored Core 6 because it is surprisingly, like, interesting. Like, very, very interesting for me. Um, Yeah, so, but that's a general premise of, uh, of Armored Core. Not super cool. I I guess yeah, like just from looking at screenshots and stuff, you don't really expect a lot of story from it, unfortunately. But like just on impressions, but it, like from what you're saying, it, there is quite a bit of narrative to it. But gameplay wise, like what are we what are we looking at here? So you can upgrade your yes. mech, and are you fighting like hordes? Are you fighting like big evil bosses? Like how how does it work? Yeah, I'll go through the gameplay loop, which is I think is like one of the more interesting things about this, which both has positives and negatives, right? But in Armored Core 6, basically you go through, it's all mission oriented. So you start in a menu screen where you can upgrade your mech and there's a shop where you can buy new uh, version, like bodies, body parts, as well as guns and all the uh, upgrades for your AC. Um, but you start in that menu screen and then you go to the, you choose a little mission menu and then you go to the next mission and the gameplay oscillates between choosing one like your story missions versus choosing just like basically a mini arcade boss like uh, section called the arenas where if the more you go down the arenas the more upgrades you can get um uh, for your ac but you basically just uh, oscillate between the two and it's all just done via one menu so it's quite interesting here because i've read a couple of reviews and i've seen a couple of reviews in the past where it's like this brings back that like playstation 2 era of like or playstation 1 era of like everything is just super simple and streamlined it's not like an open world it's not like you go fetch these things you have side quests and all these things it's all just like uh, uh side quest fight or mission main mission fight and that's it you know uh but that's the basic like entry to the gameplay but then on a on a game by game like minute to minute kind of thing is you're uh, controlling the armored core in a third person perspective and you're going through hordes if you will basically the basic formula is like going through hordes and then you end up with the boss fight for most missions and i would say the highlight of it is that like there's so much option there's so much variety in the like weapons that you can use so therefore even if you're fighting hoarder even if you're fighting a boss every mission could be different based off of your build um and the build of your ac can change between things that are like projectile based that are melee based that are energy based but all of this culminates in a way that you are just controlling what it feels like you are in a you are in a giant robot just messing things up and like screwing people over and shredding things apart and i think that's the coolest part about the gameplay of it where it's like even though um probably you know the videos that you've seen of gameplay it's like the mech does look small because it's third person they're just kind of funny but when you're into it on a on a minute to minute perspective it genuinely feels like you're piloting it because the ui system is so it takes a bit of getting used to because it's a little bit complicated you don't really understand it they don't fully describe it but it looks like you're in the ui of the mech itself despite being in third person um, and you keep going through through the gameplay. I'll end this like little gameplay spiel by saying one of the best things about Armored Core in its gameplay is just so core, pun intended there, FromSoft, where the boss fights are mind-blowingly like FromSoft, where they're so, they come out of nowhere sometimes and they're so epic and the music hits and it's just like a variety of weapons that are annoyingly difficult, but yet like you kind of see the patterns going on. Uh, and it's just one of the coolest things where uh, I'm more familiar with these Souls uh, type games, but to see that in a mech world in this type of format is just something that is so special that you can still feel the DNA of Souls. I'll, I'll the last last thing I'll say about this one is I, I saw a really interesting tweet from I think Gene Park, uh, and I think it was a reference to another tweet. I can't remember what it was, right? But I think he mentioned that. 
Souls are actually Armored Core games. And it's not that Armored Core 6 is a Souls game, is that the Souls franchise took inspiration from what Armored Core is in a nutshell and then brought it over to this new format. So it's kind of like this interesting thing of game history where like FromSoft started with Armored Core and then they used that to build the Souls games, but they blew up because of the Souls games. And now people think Armored Core 6 is like, is like a Souls games. But what is the progenitor of that? It's actually Armored Core. Uh, so things like, you know, encumbrance where your mech is too heavy, where it's like sometimes it's slower versus faster depending on the parts and you're doing, the customization of builds, the uh, melee, the boss fights, like all of it is just, I'm just going to say it's not Souls, it's not Armored, Armored Core, it's just FromSoft and it's awesome, it's beautiful. Yeah, I think that was what I was going to ask you about, like this whole thing with how the boss fights are really difficult. And and like you said, maybe it's just more like the newer generation of gamers who did not have this history, who are who are calling Armored Core like the Mecha, uh, Mecha Souls, like, but they don't have the context of it. So it's like really, really interesting to hear. But yeah, like in, in your playthrough, did you find it? I know, I know you sent me a couple of messages being like, oh, I'm so frustrated. Oh, I'm so angry. I'm so, I haven't been this tilted in a while. And then, and then I would see tweets from like other generals playing it just being like, man, like it's not even about the challenge anymore. It's just like praying to RNG gods that like the boss <laughs> is like five millimeters more to the right this time. And therefore I can actually avoid it or something. Like, did you find it like punishingly difficult at times? Uh, absolutely. And to the point where I'm so glad I only streamed one session of this because I got viscerally angry. They're like, and Souls does that to you. Like Souls games do that, like have done that to me in the past where you're so flipping angry, right? But it's so funny that like this one, I have the thought of throwing my controller against the wall and I've never been that kind of player, right? I never, I, I know I had friends who have like, they're a little bit more angry or growing up, they just throw their PS2 controller or whatever. I would never do that, right? This one has got me towards that edge where I was like, this 300 ring, 350 ringgit PS5 controller can go to hell. <laughs> you know, I was debating throwing it against the wall. So, so um, that's what the case is for. They give it to you so you can put the controller in front <laughs> The armory core <laughs> controller case so that you can throw this you against throw the wall it, versus and, the, uh, yeah, and the, the the control is still protected, but you can take your anger <laughs> on it. Yeah. No, I think like, so a couple things to this, right? Yes, it is very difficult. And yes, there are moments where I'll, I'll just do the like transparency around it. It's like we wanted to get this review out and I'm frustrated that like I couldn't finish the game in time because it was so hard where I'm like, it's one of those scenarios where I booked out, let's say like, six hours on a weekend uh, like on a saturday to play through this game to try and finish it and 75 percent of that time was spent on one boss fight like and and again that is it's not it's it's one of those things where like it's my fault i guess for wanting to have that expectation to finish it at a certain time like as somebody who wanted to review this game but it goes back to the beauty of souls it's like that's just the experience sorry the beauty of like a FromSoft game which is like that's just how their games work uh, i'll share this like one thing where this is maybe what epitomizes these fights in Armored Core and General Souls games, which I forgot, where there was one boss fight that took me three hours. I had one build that I built almost through my entire uh, time up until that game, and I was doing this boss fight over and over and over and over again. And it got to the point where you could just easily restart the boss fight because if it's a checkpoint, right? It got to the point where if I get hit within the first second, I would restart it because I was like, I need to dodge there, right? So I would I know the boss fight to, the, to its micro moments where it's like you're almost playing Dance Dance Revolution, where it's like, okay, left, up, go in for the attack, back up. He'll probably do one of two moves here, turn around, and then you know, go through the, you just keep going through that. But if I mess up any of those steps, I'll just go ahead and restart, right? But I did that for like three hours or something. And it, I was getting so angry because I would start the boss fight and it would tap me and I would dodge, I couldn't dodge by accident. I'd be like, fuck you, you're going to start over, you know, just like, you're ruining this for me. Um, <laughs> but then you forget that FromSoft games are all about changing, like changing your, your play style or your build 
to that boss. And I, after three hours, and I was getting so angry, I, I went away, got lunch, came, or like got food, came back, and I completely redid a build. And I got to that boss fight. I did the boss fight within two tries. So it's one of those things where it's like, it's all about the customization. It's all about learning about how to best a boss. And the, this is what I think is maybe different a little bit from Souls, where it is similar, where you have to adapt to the boss, right? But Armored Core gives you so much more flexibility in the way that you build your mechs or your character versus a Souls game. Because in Souls games, you would go in with your build, you would change maybe the style at which you use it, but you were still using your build. Where in Armored Core, there had been three boss fights where I banged my head against the wall, like losing my mind. And then I just changed the build entirely and it works out just like incredibly well. So all the hardest boss fights I, were, I was able to beat just by changing um, my build or realizing that I need to change the build. But it goes back to this thing where it's like the gamer in you does not just thinks like you can do it. Like you're getting so close with your current build. You could just, you're so close doing it. So I'll just try 60 more times. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. the beauty of like FromSoft is this madness that is like, self-inflicted, if you will. Yeah, yeah, there is something about being a gamer, just being super stubborn. It's like, no, I like this build. I want to use this. I can do this. And then you just do it like 50 more times, even though you know, like, oh, if I just actually go back and like fix something, like, it will work out. <laughs> I've not actually played any other FromSoft games, but like the closest, like, FromSoft, I guess, like, the, the only Souls like I've played is like Wolong. And I had yes. a very similar, well, not similar experience. I'm going to say that, like, I think you either go again two ways. You, you get so frustratingly angry, you want to throw something, or you just like, collapse and cry and, and I'm, I'm a collapse and cry kind of person when i was doing my playthrough on stream it was like several hours of gameplay and you could see just me just like shriveling up slowly over time like i start like really excited and i'm just like slowly getting more and more depressed and then like same as you i think like i go in i fight and then like i die straight away and then i restart and then one of my um to shadow said, um, Dormammu, I've come to bargain. And then yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just cycle. Literally, that is like the format of like Souls-like games, right? It's like the format of it is just repeated madness. And it's one of those things where if you don't change the way you're doing something, it is it is literally that that adage, right? Where it's like insanity is doing something over and over again without yeah. like changing it or something along those lines. It's mm -hmm. literally that. Like it is, there's no truer expression than these types of games. Oh, How satisfying I, is it when you overcome it, though? So this is a really interesting one that I wanted to bring up, right? Where it is so weird because the body chemistry that you get um, from a Souls game is that I didn't experience it in this Armored Core, in this game, I would say, which I wanted to, I want to talk to other people who have played this game and let me know in the chat if you felt similar. But this is one that I feel like I want to bring up with folks that have played Armored Core. In Souls games, you get to the part of the boss where you see that health is super low and your health is super low and your heart is pounding. Like literally your, your heart is pounding because it's like one wrong, one small error on your side could blow this entire run. And you don't know if you're ever going to get to this like, a level of yeah success in this boss fight um on you know uh, in the foreseeable future so you're sweating your heart is pounding and you're just like once you beat the boss you're just giant sigh of relief and you're just like deflated as a person and be like i have i am complete right that is the souls like um experience that i have with a lot of souls games i don't think i experienced that in armored core which is really weird and i'm trying to understand why where the bosses are similar and challenging and they're follow that format but for some reason there's this thing where you, I get close to that feeling where my heart is beating a little bit, but when I beat the boss, I kind of feel like, oh, great, let's move on, you know, as opposed to like, my God, let's go celebrate, let's go, like, <laughs> I'm going to shout this through the one, I'm going to tweet about this, you know what I mean? So, and I was trying to figure out why, where I think like what I'm struggling with in Armored Core is a bit more 
the fact that you can customize your mech so much easier than you can customize your characters in Souls-like games maybe is to its uh, detriment to feeling like that level of accomplishment. Because like I said, when I was able to best a boss, um, the hardest bosses in the game, in my opinion, is just because I built my entire mech differently and then I overcame it quite quickly after. As opposed to like Souls games where you have that one build that you've invested in, you followed through the, almost the entire like 20-hour playthrough, but you know that that build can still work, so you try over and over again. I think that's where I didn't feel that level of like deep euphoria when beating bosses. But it is similar, so I think like, I, I don't know if this is just a me thing where maybe the world isn't connecting with me as much um, compared to like high fantasy, but um, I, I don't know. I, did, I didn't feel that as much, but I really want to start that conversation with other mm -hmm. folks that have, that have played it. But it's been one of those things on my mind. I mean, I guess the fact that it is a bunch of robots fighting each other just makes it a little bit less, a bit more removed from like the human experience. So it could just be that visually as well. But on the topic of the robots, like I've, I've also seen some like really funny builds, um, on Twitter of people like obviously like replicating like the builds of like, Evan like Evangelion or like Gundam. What was your, what was your build like? Okay, so I'll start with a funny story, right? So we streamed it on our first night of review, and I obviously wanted to build my Ava unit to build, right? And it kind of worked out. I couldn't follow the colors, and I, like, scrapped it pretty easily. But I thought to myself, well, I'll first say that the customization options in Armored Core is one of the coolest customization um, menus and mechanics in games ever, in my opinion. And maybe the reason why I say that, and I know it's kind of a bold statement, is because I haven't seen a mech game customization in, like, maybe because, like, mech games aren't as, like, highly pop, pop popular in, like, the public zeitgeist, if you will, or, like, the pop culture zeitgeist, but you've seen so many human character creations, and you build, like, oh, Kratos is in Baldur's Gate 3, like, great, right? But, like, mech customization, like, the fact that, like you said, I see so many Evangelion, so many Gundam, so many... I saw some dude do a Petronas, like, inspired no. build, where it's, like, the Petronas gray and then the Petronas logo on the thing itself, <laughs> like, because you can actually put custom, like, uh, images I've and seen, logos. Well. I've seen the, the Among Us one, where it's, like, <laughs> <laughs> literally yeah so the, again the customization is awesome and it's like you can literally create the the mech that you've always wanted in this game which is awesome but the personal one that i had was like look barbie came out very recently i was like you know what would be so menacing a mech that is barbie inspired it's like bright pink hot pink and it's shredding through a bunch of characters <laughs> in like this mech giant mech kind of way so we we did this in chat on my on my twitch channel and we uh uh we called it b-a-r-b like or b-a-r-b-a three or something something along oh, those lines right, you know right, like, I mean? like, the, like Valhalla, but it's like yeah, the yeah exactly <laughs> and uh, the funniest comment that we got is like every main mission is called a sortie you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, so to you in French and that's your main mission kind of menu. And I remember, I think it was Paul Diesbon who dropped it in the live chat. He was like, come on, Barbie, let's go sortie. And that was the like, <laughs> that was the, the whole energy of my oh, bright pink so Barbie good. mech going through our um, record missions. Um, but yeah, like I just say, like, I love the customization. on it. It's awesome. It's like quite killer to watch up guides. And then you see their builds. I was like, oh my God, I know that robot. Like I can build that as well. And it's so, so cool that you can... Um, customized but i had a lot of fun uh, doing those doing the customization nice i guess like just to sort of wrap up the review a little bit mm -hmm. like um i guess like one would you recommend it and two like who is it for like i'm core so i'll answer that second question first because i think that's also really interesting where armored core is a from soft game through and through and what i mean by that is people that have played from soft games understand this cycle of choosing your build going through the mission getting your ass kicked learning from the boss, changing your build a little bit, losing some more, but then eventually beating the boss. 
And then that cycle goes through, 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 through. And then you finish the game and then you have no idea what's happening in the story. So you look up a Vati video on YouTube that describes the lore. That whole scenario is literally every single FromSoft game. <laughs> and it is true here in varying degrees, but that is the Armored Core experience and that is the um, FromSoft experience. So... I will say, like, if you're a fan of the Souls games, if you're like me and you're a fan of Souls games and you are interested in, like, more mech-oriented worlds and builds, this is totally, like, one for you. But also, it's one of those ones where, like, I, I just think if you have liked mech as a genre, like, mecha anime, mech, like, giant robots, kaiju stuff, like, that involves mechs, you should definitely check this out because it does fill that power fantasy of you are a giant robot fighting other giant robots, but also you might find you might find other giant, giant robots and entities to fight. And it is the coolest, epic-feeling boss fights um, in this, like, mech world. Because I feel like you often see a lot of high fantasy boss fights and, like, you know, just think about, like, you know, over-the-top bosses. But to me, seeing a giant Transformer-like thing, and I'm like, you have to fight that? I know I'm a giant robot, I have to fight that giant thing, that planet-sized, you know what I mean? Like, is such a cool experience. So I will say, like, it's for people like that. The negatives on it is that it does feel a little bit archaic on its design. Like I said, menus, um, mission, side mission, very straightforward. There is no interaction beyond voice like uh, dialogue. So it's a really interesting choice. To, everything is told to you via these voice memos and these mission briefs and stuff like that. Um, and I, like I said, it's just missing that magic element of Souls games where you feel deep euphoria when being the boss. I don't know if that's a personal thing or if it's other things that people's experiences. But also the environment of Armored Core is a little bit dry for me because everything is boxy and robots and like mm -hmm. square and gray for the most part and re red and gray is pretty much the entire color palette of the entire game so if that excites you that's awesome it didn't excite me as much but i think it was a little bit one-dimensional but all that said and done is what an interesting simulation of this mech world and it does feel like a stepping stone for FromSoft to be like armored core is back as one of our temple franchises and we'll do the souls games as well and both of these things will run in tandem to make us like dominate this uh, uh the gaming industry with this format um, so it is it is great. It is awesome. Thanks again to Banai Namco for sending that code over and the the nice stuff over. But go make your go make your mechs, everybody. Go build your Reno inspired mech. Yeah, I I mean I love customization. If like hey, like Banai Namco, just just release a game. It's just like customize your mech and that's it. It's like it's like <laughs> <laughs> pure i guess what, yeah exactly yeah that's it. it it's gonna be like oh what's that fashion game like that there's like yeah, a yeah, yeah, the dress game, up yeah, the, the, yeah. Dress, the dress up one but like yeah. but just mechs you know exactly. put, me, put me on the mech fashion show on sometimes that feels like what this is on this customization <laughs> you know what i mean like legit i just go on twitter and it's like are you guys even playing the game it's just you're just making hello kitty mechs you know like <laughs> <laughs> that is the game <laughs> no but cool cool it sounds great it sounds like you had a, a great maybe not a great time all the time but like overall like, a good, <laughs> good experience um what else has been happening for you like game video games aside what other what are the games have you been playing yeah i wanted to spend some time talking about some look, look me in the eye everybody those that are watching the 20m podcast here on the youtube channel hi my name is rf i'm a huge nerd and as many of y'all know, I love Magic the Gathering. And I just want to spend some time, Reno, by sharing a little bit of a story about um, I did a pre-release weekend uh, for Magic the Gathering uh, for their new set called Wilds of Eldraine. And I went to a pre-release event, which for those that don't know, essentially when new sets drop, like Wizards of the Coast who do Magic, they have like your local TCG stores all around the world do a scenario where you have these pre-release boxes. 
that allow people to come in, build a deck based off of like cards they get in that box, and then fight against other players, and then like climb the leaderboards for that event. So it's kind of like a casual mini tournament, but all for the purposes of getting to know the new cards in the set and also the new mechanics in the set, whilst like mm, making friends like and being a part of the community. Before you kind buy, of kind of scenario, but. With you buy a it. community. You buy it. Yeah, you but, buy, you, like, but you buy, yes. You buy it. <laughs> but try before you buy even more. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'll just say like this um, experience was such a beautiful one because it kind of epitomizes why nerd communities are so awesome. Um, and I'd love to get your take and like if you've kind of like experienced anything similar when it, uh, regarding communities, right? But Magic the Gathering has always been kind of those like super nerdy, like people smell and like people are gross and they're just such nerds and they have like a lack of social skills. Like that has been kind of the stigma for Magic for so long. But now the Magic is becoming a lot more popular and mainstream. I feel like so many people are coming into the game and there's nothing more beautiful than people celebrating their love for like a property, which is Magic. And I feel like that energy is exists in pre-release. So I went with my housemates and I went with a couple of friends to a pre-release uh, at our local uh local card game store classroom cafe um that's uh one of our favorite stores here and we showed up and it was a packed house and all of us were doing pre-release and we assembled our little decks and it was such a beautiful thing to like go through that experience build your decks get to know the cards but also play against other people throughout the night but just chat about like them and their history with magic and what they're excited for in the past where they started and to me i just had a moment where like you're complete strangers you're getting your ass kicked by their pre-release deck and uh whatever but it's like oh dude like i started around the same time as you it's like oh my god do you remember this card that like came out during that time or hey remember when they used to add books in the packs versus like what they have now and it's like a nostalgia thing but also you talk to people that are like oh man this is my second ever pre-release and like i'm really new to the game so i don't mind if i lose but just like tell me if i'm doing something wrong kind of a scenario it is a beautiful experience um so i loved that um that that community so I just wanted to gush about how much I love Magic the Gathering. I wanted to gush about how much I love the pre-release format. Um, and I love that Magic is bringing more people into the game and making it much more accessible because it is this perfect amalgamation of like nerdy, nerdy stuff, but also like this community-based like force that um, connects people together with every new set that drops. Yeah, I think there's like kind of like two things there that I really resonated with. Like, you know, all of us growing up individually, having our own experiences with games and all of that. But then when you when you leave that and when you're an adult and you meet someone who had that exact same experience with you and you just vibe instantly because like, oh, you remember when we did that thing and it's like, oh, when that card came out, like I totally get that for like, you know, other communities that I'm part of. But the other thing that I guess is really important, especially with growing community is like making sure you're looking after the new, the newbies that are coming in. So being really inclusive, like not gatekeeping and all of that. And it sounds like, you know, where you were playing is is very much of that vein of like, whatever your experiences with magic, just, just come in and just come hang out kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And like, I love because like you get people of different ages as well that are joining Magic. And I remember it's like this, the one experience I had recently, which was not a pre-release, but this guy came in with his whole family, he had two kids, his wife, and they were all just like supporting his hobby, which was really cute. But it was his first time playing Magic. And I was just like teaching him, he was like, yo, dude, sit down with me. Let's just learn the game. And it's awesome because he played another TCG, so he picked it up really quick. And I just had that beautiful one-on-one -on -one experience with him. And then at this like previous session, like I saw him walking around. I was like, oh, hey, man, how are you? It's good to see you. I was like, oh, yeah, dude, it's like, I've got these things since the, you know, it's such a cool thing to see people invest in a in a thing that sucks away all your money but also love it at the same time <laughs> I'll, I'll end the magic story by saying there's one thing that i think you'd be really interested in so the wilds of eldraine set is fairy tale inspired because every magic set is different they commissioned an anime studio to do like a trailer for this upcoming um mm -hmm. for this set and it's all fairy tale inspired and it's by a company called uh 
Puro Co. So they're the people behind Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, that, oh, and it's like a right, fable, right, right. Yeah, kind yeah, of like yeah. one of those really old anime studios that have just been around for forever. But they did an anime uh, intro for this set, and I think it's awesome. It is kick-ass. And it's one of those things, again, where they have anime-inspired cards throughout this entire set, and there's waifus, and there's like your rip-offs of like what you would typically know as like anime properties. But they just look awesome and so cool. And the fact that you can have Magic the Gathering kind of collaborate in this kind of style to bring in that type of fandom and that type of nerd interest as well into the game is such a cool, uh, such a cool thing to me. They're like, who have they not collaborated with at this point? I feel like they've been able to touch like every subculture in like yeah. the nerd space at this point. And yeah. I'm like really, okay, I don't know how, I don't know how building board games or, or card games work, right? But like, how do you introduce new cards without like, I'm sure there's some kind of balance you have to like avoid upsetting, right? Yeah. Like, like it's, I, I find that so fascinating, and we gotta, we gotta get someone. Right, we gotta get a magic designer onto. It's literally yeah. wizardry, which is probably why they're called wizards on the code. It doesn't make sense to do all the math to make sure that every card set is like a hundred cards that come in, right? And you do that every two months or something like that. Yeah, it's just insane. Like Doctor Who collaborations coming out. They did the uh, Lord of the Rings collaboration. They like did Arcane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the cyberpunk inspired one. I'm surprised inspired. they haven't. Sub- you know, collaborate with Cyberpunk. They just announced Final Fantasy is coming. Mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed is coming. Warhammer's already there. Like, Magic is awesome. You, we should play it. And uh, I can't, I can't wait to play more Magic: The Gathering. Awesome, awesome. How did you do with, with the comp? Oh, so I did actually. This is the best <laughs> performance that I've actually throughout my entire history of Magic: The Gathering. I, I come in last place at every pre-release that I've done over the years. Last, dead last, Reno. Like, win one game out of like eight you know uh this time i actually did really well i pulled a really good card and i beat uh one of the people that worked there which was like a nice thing we technically tied but like i won yeah i I literally (laughs) you're feeling like you beat the gym leader and then i played with another person i kicked his ass um completely and then the third game i think we drew as well but it's just like the fact that um i actually won just gave me so much euphoria as well but it's because i've been playing magic every single week for the past year so been i've been training. definitely upping my game yeah, yeah literally you're, training you're showing <laughs> training arc right up to this point it's like That's i'm playing awesome, at that point like 16 cards yeah. on the <laughs> but it's really fun at the end of the day it's genuinely about it's so stupid but it's like about the friends that you genuinely meet there it's just awesome awesome community experience yeah, um Reno. Enough about Magic the Gathering. I want to talk about something that's super exciting on your end. Tell me about this social post that you put up yesterday announcing that Reno, freelance journalist, awesome content creator, co-host of the 20M podcast, will be at a certain trade show. Reno, tell me about um, what you just posted yesterday. Um, yeah, so I guess like the announcement is official, which is why I went out with it yesterday. Uh, I'm going to be at Gamescom Asia. Uh, I'm invited as a panelist. I cannot remember the name of my panel, but it's something to do with media and how game companies can, can approach media basically. And I'm, I'm really excited. I'm definitely a bit nervous because I'm on a panel with like some pretty heavy hitters in the industry. We've got Sean from Gamer Braves. We've got Daniel Robson from IGN Japan. Um, we've got a guy named James who I think works at Portland Comms, which is a pretty big um, media agency. And we're being moderated by, I don't want to butcher his last name, so I'm just going to call him by his first name. His name is Kay. He's a guy out from the Middle East, and I think they work with publishing and games. So a lot of like pretty big people in the industry, and then there's like me. <laughs> um are you no, kidding me? Come on, like <laughs> famed journalists that everybody wants to be friends with on Twitter and Instagram, writing amazing stuff for numerous publications all around the world, killing it, getting it on one of those like review score thingies with their rain code review that's like percolated throughout Twitter. Um, come on, you know, like you're, you are a heavy, uh, although newer, I think you're a heavy hitter nonetheless, but that's flipping awesome that you're a panelist at Gamescom Asia. 
I will I will talk a little bit about posting it yesterday, right? So mm. I'm I'm we got the email and they've already, you know, prepared all the assets for us really nicely, different formats and kind of like suggested copy. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll kind of put my own spin on it. And I think it literally took me like over an hour, which is how I know I'm like not young anymore. It took me this long to like produce three posts across Twitter, um, LinkedIn and Instagram. And on LinkedIn, you know, you want to like search everyone up and make sure that you're tagging the right accounts and all of that. And it all goes out. But I was like, oh, like I'll try and make it a bit more personal and a bit more targeted to Singapore because uh, Gamescom Asia is held in Singapore. So I think my first line was like, hello, Singapore. Um, I'm ready for your like Hainanese chicken rice recommendations because I'll be coming in October. And then like, I think within like 20 minutes, someone actually messaged me a Hainanese chicken rice <laughs> recommendation. Oh my God. God. Oh my God, really? Yeah. That's awesome. It's just like the funniest thing. I think, I mean, I haven't actually looked at it yet, admittedly. I think the person <laughs> is um, from like a previous like arrangement we've met in like my career. Um, and I think they're based in Singapore, but it's just like, oh, hello, here's my recommendation. I'm like, that's so, <laughs> so sweet. That's really cute. Yeah. Um, yeah, really, really excited um, to do the panel. Um, I don't know, we want to talk about all the other stuff that, will be will be involved in so um for on my side in my personal capacity there's this panel and then um i'm also going to be moderating a segment at the creator summit um about cosplay so um i guess more to come in that space because they're still like kind of like in the period of announcing it but i think that's like public information um but what about you Arif? what do you want to share with, with yeah i out? well i'll say first of all that the 20m podcast is an official media partner at gamescom asia we are on the website right now which is i think one of those surreal moments where i'll just do this small little spiel about games media right like one we are a podcast format we are a co- like uh, it's a collaboration project between the two of us that have our parallel kind of like experiences in the games industry that come together for this to try to do more content that we wouldn't do on our individual paths right so it's cool to be recognized as media and i think it's awesome and major love to the gamescom asia folks but it is this weird one where like you have all the major southeast asian gaming publications that are there um which is awesome because you see folks like i said the whole gamer graves consortium of uh, media folks you have IGN southeast asia you have IGN japan too but to have the 20m podcast on there is awesome because it kind of embraces this thing where like you can get different things from all of us where we you know the, the amount of times that we reference the folks at gamer braves or the folks at ign whether they be japan or southeast asia but you you read their article format or you watch their video, right? I just think it's so cool that we can come in with a podcast offer. Hey, this is like podcast uh, formats that we can work with and cover the show. So this whole spiel is just like, it's awesome that we're there. We will be there interviewing folks and having a bit of presence at the 20M podcast. But it's just so cool where people who are at Gamescom that want to watch coverage or consume coverage of Gamescom, you can do that in multiple different uh, fashions and via multiple different publications. Uh, so it's just a cool celebration to be among some amazing friends that are out there in the media community as well, which, which I love. Um, I guess for me, is my thing announced yet, Reno? Do I, like, can I share that? I, I actually I, don't know. Gosh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll say it now. And then if it isn't, I'm going to cut it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I will be hosting the Creator Summit at uh, the Gamescom Asia, uh, for the second day of the Gamescom Asia um, conference. So what the Creator Summit is, is basically a collaboration. Uh, coalition of a bunch of folks that are in the creator space throughout Asia, throughout the world that are coming to share on a bunch of different topics, like, uh, you know, their careers in creating content, their tips to creating content, but also a coll- like uh, conversations around how to make, how they use their previous experiences that could help future creators as well, or to navigate things like publisher relations, how to up your game, how to gain new audiences, or just a reflection on how they grew to, you know, their millions of uh, subscribers that they have. So I'll be hosting that entire conference, which is, um, uh, I think, just super cool that I get to be surrounded by some awesome creators. I'm really excited for that. 
I think it's really great that Gamescom Asia is a man. That sounds like an ad, but like, like truly, yeah, truly. Yeah, I think yeah, it's really yeah, great truly. that they are formalizing this sort of like creator summit where creators can come and learn because like a lot of people still have this like what. Well, I personally think it's incorrect, but a lot of people think that, you know, creators, like who are creators, like what does it mean to be a content creator? But so many people are making bankers. Some people are doing it full time and, and doing it really, really well. But it's all still sort of like mystified because mm. no one is taking it seriously. But it's like, no, this can be a viable career path for some people. It can be a great hobby, a great way to meet people. Let's let's actually just get everyone in a room and, and talk about it and see how we can grow, what what support is still needed. And yeah, like I think one of the things to highlight it is like they'll be talking about how you can work professionally more with like companies, with brands, with media, which I think, you know, a lot of creators are are inherently very creative, but they might lack sort of like the business know how and how to interact. So it's, it should be a pretty good should be a pretty good day. I yeah. I agree. I'm so excited. And I'll just share that like I was a panelist last year at Gamescom Asia and major love to Andreas for Virtual Southeast Asia for hosting that panel. We did a panel on Southeast Asian games. Um, so I just major love to him to bring me into the Gamescom, Gamescom Asia ecosystem. But other than the panels and the professional stuff that we're doing, I cannot wait for Gamescom Asia, man. Like the fact that you get to hang out with all your industry friends, whether they be at the parties, whether they be at the event show itself, seeing all the booths. Like, again, I know this is not an ad. This was not solicited. <laughs> like just the love for trade shows is something that I, I just feel such affinity for because it's where you can bring all the people that you interact with on Twitter and the game side of things or content side of things and then see them in real life hang out in real life. It is such a magical experience. I had so much fun last year. I can't wait to uh, just rock that show with us. And if you're there at Gamescom, like honestly, like if you're there, it's open to the public. Say if you see us walking around the trade show floor, like say hello. We might be losing our minds, be a little bit busy, but look, <laughs> let's hang out. Let's get to know each other. If you're a dev watching this, like reach out. We'd love to cover any of the stuff that um, will be at the show too. But uh, I just can't wait that yeah time. no that, that that's a great call out yeah if we're, we're going to be around we, we're still finalizing i guess like our full plans but we should be there all four days if you're you know if you listen to a podcast please feel free to come over and say hi yeah if you're a dev publisher or anyone in the game space we're always open to chat and see how we can work with you Awesome. Yes. But Reno, there's something coming up that's a little bit closer than Gamescom Asia because that's in October. What is going on in the next two weeks, Reno? That's in our lead up this, this episode. So <laughs> it's funny. so kitschy. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> well, I mean, by the time this podcast comes out, it will be even closer. So it is worth announcing um, Tokyo Jank, that Tokyo Game Show. <laughs> That's so anticlimactic. <laughs> it's like yeah. you're racing towards the finish line. You just like fall flat exactly. on your face. Let me try exactly. again. Tokyo Game Show for 2023 <laughs> will be here in at the time of recording. I think it's like two, two and a half weeks. So nice. it's definitely one of like globally the most exciting conventions. People love coming to Japan. And now, you know, all the more reason to come. I'll be there. Arif will be there. 20M will be there in a formal yes. capacity as media as well. God, it's just all ads right now. <laughs> yeah, but, but for me, again, like as Arif was saying, you know, a, a great space for everyone on the internet that interacts with to come together. Like like me personally, like I, I work from home like seven days a week. Right? So I don't really get to talk to a lot of people aside from like people on the internet. So I'm like genuinely excited to meet um you know, Arif to meet Jun to meet you know a whole bunch of other people who are going to be coming from Southeast Asia to Japan, and this is going to be the first like properly properly open Tokyo Game Show since the pandemic because um last year was fully open, but I think um foreign travel was still quite restricted, so not many folks could come in, and then the past few years prior was like online or like cancelled, so this feels like, and I think they've even come out to say it as well. This is like the biggest it's ever um it's ever been, so really really excited for this. 
Yeah. And um, I guess, like I said, this is such a cool one for us because we'll both be there. Oftentimes, I think in the past, you know, we've covered, we're starting to get into this era where we're covering in-person stuff as well as the 20M podcast, but uh, we are kind of like been removed, like your Bit Summit thing on coverage of the 20, I know with some other publications as well, but the coverage we did on 20M was very much you. Animangaki was very much me. Tokyo Game Show and Gamescom Asia will be us. And I cannot wait to have both of us kind of just like, uh, in ca- cause chaos at these uh, at strangling these each shows. other to death. Like if Final Fantasy VII Rebirth like drops a new trailer and they have a booth, like Reno, I will push people out of the way, like with my you know like with giant like my Kojima merch in hand or whatever, and be like get out of the way, everybody. Like I don't care, I don't care what's going on. Like we need to play that game, um, and I know you'll be judging me or restricting me from from doing that uh, at at the show itself. <laughs> but uh, but uh, how was no, your? Yeah. I think. No, I think we've evolved. Like, okay, like at the beginning, <laughs> I, I, at the beginning, I would definitely be like, "Oh my god, you're such a loser for doing this," or like vice versa. But now I'm just at the point where like I'm really happy we like different things because you're gonna do your thing, I'll do my thing, and ultimately we're gonna be better people, individuals for it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll step gonna, over some kids to play Final Fantasy. Ah, oh, you're better for that. Yes. So just just <laughs> don't get arrested because I don't I, I don't know if I can bail you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm really excited. But like TGS will be super exciting. Maybe just the last thing for you is like, how was your TGS experience last year? And what can what can we expect from uh, TGS this year? Last year was my first time at TGS, and I was like really nervous but excited. And I think it was just like overwhelming because um, the venue, which is called Makuhari Mese, which is just a general venue for a lot of big events and concerts and things like that, it's like nine giant like warehouses that kind of thing, and then they're they're all kind of connected through doorways. But every time you walk in and say it's like a big you know, if it's, if it's like PlayStation or if it's like Square Enix, it's just like a huge, like larger than life booth. And it's quite powerful in a way. I think, again, like just one of those moments where you're a gamer and your your experience with the IP is very much just like on the screen. And then you see it and it's like bigger, like 10 hundred times bigger than yourself. And you're like, wow. And there's like so many people there. But then I think uh, for me, what I ended up doing was just hanging around the indie booth a lot, just because it was a lot more chill. And it's a it's a pretty big space where there's a lot of games concentrated there. And it's really easy to get to talk to developers and, you know, just like get some merch, get to know people. I bet that was the first time I met the folks at um, Passion Republic Games when they were um, they had Gigabash out there. Um, my first time meeting Sean, who does Cuisiner. I think um I think Toge was there. Um, sorry, not Toge. I think Coffee Talk was there with Chorus. Mm, but Chorus, then, yeah. At the very last minute, apparently Toge also had their own booth. And then I met this Indonesian guy who was so sweet. He he lives in Osaka. He came all the way to Tokyo Game Show. At like I think at a whim, maybe Chris or someone called him like, "Hey, can you just rock up?" And there was nothing at the booth except his laptop, like just just a laptop, oh. like nothing, nothing there. Yeah. And I only knew it was um, Toge because on the on the map it had printed their name. There, I got there. And he's like, "Yeah, it's just me." And like came really suddenly and like dude it's it's great like great to have you and you know really really nice guy um that was i think that's why like uh (laughs) that's what the beauty of like you can add these kinds of trade shows compared to like maybe some smaller trade shows like you know bit summit or level up kl that's coming up it's like you can have the giant presence of like the huge 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 multi-million dollar booths but then you can also celebrate the indie ecosystem where it could just be like a table and a laptop but all those things are very like valid to exist in the video games industry so that's what i'm excited about for a tokyo game show like i'll run from final fantasy 7 rebirth again no insider news i just really hope it's there uh to the indie area where i'll play some like really wacky weird indies and have a great time you know but yeah you were saying what what was there oh, last year it's just it's hard not to get swept away by stuff even if you're not familiar with it like i i was around the atlas booth for a while for some reason and there were like giant like you know statues and things like that and i'm like this is this is before i played persona 5 and i'm just like 
I, d- I don't know anything about this, but I'm going to take photos now because like future me is going to like this this game and we'll be really happy that she did this. So there was like a Morgana walking around super, no super way. cute. Yeah. And I was like, I, I, like I, I'm going to like this at some point. So I'll just get some photos. Um, so that was, that was super, super cool. And then just going back to the indie booth, there was this like really like almost like I can't like someone had to have scripted this, right? Because um, I, I wrote, I basically highlighted every indie publisher or dev that was either from Southeast Asia or from Australia, just because these are like, you know, the countries I've spent a lot of time with and resonate with. And there was only one um, booth that said like from Australia. I was like, oh, I'm going to go check it out. And so I get there and it's like a Japanese guy. He was just there representing the dev. And it, the game is called Gibbon Beyond the Trees. It's about like um, monkeys singing. It's really, really beautiful kind of like watercolor art style. And there's like a theme about deforestation as well. So I'm saying them like, oh my God, this game is so beautiful. And it's on the Steam Deck. It's actually my first time trying out the Steam Deck. I'm just chatting to the guy. And I'm like, oh man, in Japanese, like, oh man, it's such a great game uh, to come up from Australia. And he's like, oh yeah, like Austrian games are great. And I was like, I was like, oh, you know, maybe my Japanese is, is not right. I was like, I was like, yeah, like, you know, which part of Australia is it from? And he's like, he looks at me, he's like, this is from Austria. And I was like, you're joking. This is this is the worst. If this if this is a joke, it's like the worst joke of my entire life. And so I pulled out the map and I showed it to him. Like it says here Australia, and he's like, "Oh, that's wrong, man." Oh my <laughs> god! So I'm like gushing over this game, talking about my Australian experience, and he's like, "Dude, just like what is." What is up with this girl? It doesn't help that it's like a, 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 a you know a swinging monkey that's like going through like the forest. He kind of like that's so Australian, right? It's like, <laughs> oh man, like that's the plight of like you know. I and again, and not not that we're bashing anything. It's like the plight of just giant trade shows that just like the legit. There's like six billion logistics you have to take care yeah. of. The one mishap is just such a funny story to have. I was like, am I, I was like, am I in the Mr. Bean skit or something? Like, come on, <laughs> like authors up there. Like, are you yeah. listening to my thing? Do better. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to have so many of those moments in uh, in Tokyo Game Show. <laughs> this, this that is um, one, yeah, that is probably like one last thing I like to say. Like you know, it's it's in Japan, everyone there speaks Japanese, but somehow everyone also makes it work with like hand gestures, with broken English, broken Japanese, broken whatever language you speak. Like somehow, like everyone just speaks it's so cheesy. This speaks the language of video games, and you just make it make it work on the day. And I think that's that's really really awesome. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm really, really excited, and people talk about TGS so fondly as well. And uh, just to be in Japan is uh, going to be super exciting. But again, like I cannot wait to. And if there's people that are consuming from Japan, because um, you know Reno is based in Japan, and I feel like we have a couple people subscribing there from Japan. Like, let's connect, let's meet. If you happen to like bump in us at the show, but like I'm just so excited to be amongst like friends who I can't see at Southeast Asian trade shows too. That will be at this international, more international conference. So, God, I can't wait for this Reno. It'll be super exciting. What can yeah. subscribers like? Uh, uh, expect from from us. <laughs> now, if we announce it now, then that we're hold, they're holding. Yeah, us exactly. To it. <laughs> I have no idea what we're gonna do. Yeah, we're, expect some stuff from us, like in Japan as well. So hopefully, well, we're hopefully be... gonna vlog a bit more, which will be new for us. I mean, you, you did a little bit at Animangaki with the interviews and all, but hopefully, um, Tokyo Game Show and Gamescom and, and a couple of things up leading up to it will be us being together in person and filming stuff outside which would be great yes yeah so we'll change our entire 20 podcast to a travel show kind of like uh a vlog video it's like yeah. my 10 hours in japan with reno or something <laughs> it's like- gonna change the 20 m to like the 10 h the 10 hr podcast 10 hours <laughs> <laughs>
the 10 hour <sighs> podcast. Oh, uh, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it, man. I'm excited. I can't wait. This has been, you know, again, awesome for us to share with the folks that are on the 20 podcast, like listen to the 20 podcast, like our experience with the video games, but also get into the in-person world a little bit. So like I said, I can't emphasize this enough. If you see us say hello, like the 20 podcast was built earlier this year with the purpose of like connecting and sharing stories from like us, but also the people that we have on interviews, but there's nothing more beautiful to me than like uh, connecting with folks that have been uh, watching our stuff over the past like couple months too because I feel like compared to Twitch YouTube is still a little bit like bi-directional like uh, we don't engage too much but please like, let's hang out let's uh, let's let's be together <laughs> let's be together <laughs> is, that, is that how we're ending it yeah I guess so <laughs> oh I, I do have one other story from this week I don't know if I should share it um, oh please let's let's end on that let's end on high note what is this um you know my story about Toma Oh my God. Can you, all right, lay it up for the rest of the people that are watching, please. Okay. Um, if you have been following any of my channels, if you've ever listened to the 20M podcast, you guys know that I play Genshin Impact and my main character is a character named Toma. So Toma's a four-star character. He's notoriously a very bad character, but I've been very invested in just making him viable and good. Um, so Toma has an English uh, voice actor named Christian Bennis. And I've been following him since Toma was released. I, I I really like his work. I think he he did he did a great job, you know, capturing Toma's character and his essence and all. But um, I've always been too shy to interact, so I've just been like a silent follower. And and I think he's not too active on on the platform anyway. But he I think was at Pax West and started posting a bit more. And I was just like looking at his post, and he like got a Toma from Kinokuniya, which I think is kind of similar to the badge you got from me, um, also from Kinokuniya, I think. And I was like, you know what, like fuck it, like shoot my shot i'm just gonna i'm just gonna write the most unhinged tweet to him and he's got 70k followers no way he's gonna see it right so i wrote to him and i was like mr <laughs> mr Vanus, i am the world's number one toma main i have three different toma builds i have c6 oh. tim triple crown and like i don't know what else <laughs> just like absolutely like mental and then like to to make it at all like relevant or like the, to, to put some kind of message in there besides just being insane at the bottom i was like it would be great to see you at a con in japan or southeast asia and then was just like, like i feel so embarrassed for you i and i don't often feel embarrassment for you because you're a pretty cool person this is so i feel so weird about this and then he liked it and i was like all right cool he saw it um he's just gonna like it and move on and then he replied <laughs> and it was like something like, wow, your Toma sounds so amazing. You know, as if like, you know, like a five-year-old showing you like their toy exactly. car. Oh, this <laughs> is a great, yeah, this is a great drawing. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sitting here like, okay, like I'm just going to write something back. That's cool. And I'm just sitting there like writing, rewriting, writing, rewriting. And then like I get a, a DM, like a, a, um, a notification and I click on it. It's like no freaking way. Like he like DM me and was like, like such a cool guy. He's like, oh, hey, you know, sorry for the random DM. Um, if you want to, uh, if you showcase your Toma to me, like um, I'll send you a print, you know, just like kind of like casual stuff. And I was like, oh my God, like this is it guys, this is it. And I'm like in my Discord to my community, like screaming at them, like I need to record my Toma right now. <laughs> <laughs> Boot up Genshin for like the first time in like a month. And like you know, like like blow dust off my characters. I'm like, come on, kids, let's go. <laughs> we've got we've got work to do. We've got work to do. Get it together. Get it together. <laughs> They're like recording it, and then like it takes me like a couple of rounds. I just want to get like the perfect one where like Toma doesn't get hit. Um, everything just goes perfectly because it's like a very specific Toma Burgeon team that's gonna do a lot of damage. I get the perfect shot. Realize I'm not recording. I'm like fuck, do it again. And then like it takes me like about 10, 10 times. 
And then, like, uh, while, while all this is happening, I think um, he also, um, the VA also, like, followed me on Twitter, which is, like, honestly, just just made me, like, melt, just, like, melt down into, like, nothing, right? And I'm, like, how do we cool? How do we cool? All right. And then I just made my Twitter banner is now, like, Toma, 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 yeah. Toma, Toma. And then just, like, that he followed me. And I'm, like, this is, like, whatever. Like, I, I have nothing, I have nothing left to lose correct. anymore. Correct, correct. Um, but yeah, so my, I put my build up on Twitter. It, it went semi-viral cause he retweeted mm-hmm. it. Everyone, a lot of people wrote back. It was really, really sweet. And I just made me realize like everyone who follows him must be a Toma fan. And there's only like five of us in the world right now. <laughs> it's like all five of us are like now connected through this because I got a lot of people being like, oh, you know, how did you build this? And then like, oh, mm-hmm. I want to try this. And I was just really, really, I'm glad like three years playing Genshin led up to this moment. Yeah, I've there's been very few times that we've known each other for a significant amount of time now. That's like not that long at the end of the day, but like still, like uh, I've never seen you fangirl this hard, like ever, and it is so out of character because you're usually cool, down to earth, and you don't show it too much. But this one is just like this is like meeting your idol, you know? It's like this is like you know you've met your hero in real life, even though like Toma isn't real. Sorry, but like you know what I mean? Like the amount of Toma jokes that we've saying thrown, that to me this just, week. Why? Hey, he's not not real. <laughs> like, come back to us. Come back to us. You know, you've been very distant lately. <laughs> like, no, but it's just one of the moments I feel so happy and so proud. Where it's like the unhinged stuff is, I think, funny internet content. You can do that bit and like project that out into the world, and it's all for fun and all that kind of stuff. But the fact that you can still have a genuine like connection with somebody like uh, that is like, like that has birthed something that's so important to you. I think it's such a cool internet like thing. So this is awesome. It's the longest. I'm so happy for you. You've you've to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, but like, yeah, it was it was cool. I'm like. I think that's as as a as a Genshin player. Like I'm not I'm not particularly good at the game, but I know like this one thing that I can do really well that no one else has, which is like this stupid obsession with Toma and how I've been able to make him into this great character. And like I was like, <laughs> oh my god, people are seeing it. I saw. I think it's got like 50k views on Twitter right now. I'm like, it's that. That's all insane. I need. Insane. Insane. Yeah, this is genuinely kick ass and it's awesome. I can't wait for y'all to do like an IRL Japan vlog now at this point. Take <laughs> Reno takes Toma around to Shinjuku or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. At, at this point, I hope he doesn't like get a restraining order against me. But I'm cool. I'm, I'm very, I'm very cool now. I'm chill. You're a cool fan. You're a cool fan. We're cool. We're cool. Everybody, be cool. There's like everybody in the 20 podcast right now in the comments and the hanging out. Like, be cool, everybody. Don't blow this for us. All right, we gotta keep the composure. Like I'm being cool about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess before we sort of wrap this episode up on this insane note, um, if you are jumping onto our YouTube channel and you want to check out other videos, what would you recommend? To well, for the first time ever, you know, I'm extremely prepared for this layup and I don't have to think about it and recall what we've done in the past week. We did a, non, a non-podcast episode on the YouTube channel. I think we did put it out on podcast formats, but we reviewed Goodbye Volcano High thanks to the lovely folks at Co-op. Um, we did a review of this awesome kind of like visual novel music story-based interactive game called Goodbye Volcano High and it is weirdly one of my game of the years in a year that is so stacked and I share a lot of my thoughts on uh, the review there so please check that out it's like if you're a fan of life is strange you're a fan of story-based games you're a fan of music if you're a fan of dinosaurs um go it's, check that one it's out all that the spots. A, yeah that was the most recent episode of the uh, of the podcast awesome awesome well thanks everyone for listening um hope you have a great week ahead and we'll have lots lots to share just even in the next week to 10 days you should be hearing from us pretty soon i can't wait very super special thing okay bye everybody (laughs) take care bye